their secret mountain lair somewhere in Colorado, this is the Image Doctors Photography Podcast with your hosts, Jason O'Dell and Rick Walker. Welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And it's good to be back with you guys today. And uh, um, uh, what is going on? Nothing nothing crazy exciting, but we had a fun week. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff we talked about uh, to the Nikonians group on our travel photography webinar. Yeah. A few announcements, a listener question today, and then a little discussion on uh, some recently uh some newer uh, compressed raw formats that are coming out uh, but but we'll talk about compressed raw in general too yeah i mean that's what i mean just not, not just raw. the most current ones but right a little bit right. broader um whether you should use it or not so it's a good it's a good thing to think about mm -hmm. um, so um and we, and to be clear we're talking about compressed lossy formats where you actually lose right. some of the data to get right. the size down correct um you know, there was a time when that might have been heresy, but we'll, we'll discuss it later. Uh, so um, we had, I just wanted to thank again the folks at Nikonians for inviting us uh, to present a webinar, uh, which we did on Thursday night for all their silver and higher membership um, members. And we had a good time doing that. We had a good turnout too. So thanks yeah, to everybody good. who, if you were there and listened to it, great. Uh, we appreciate it. If you... Um, weren't and you're a silver member you'll probably get a link to the recorded version of it so you can watch it offline uh, later when that's very cool um, and we talked about travel and um, mostly in the context of our recent uh, trip to Croatia that we did um, so we had a lot of photos from our Croatia cruise uh, if you want to call it a cruise um, we were on a boat <laughs> so I guess that's a cruise I guess that counts I'd say uh, so. Yeah, we weren't on a cruise ship. We were on a, a, right. a, a motor yacht. So that was really fun. And so thanks again for those guys for, for hosting us with that. And uh, in the spirit of uh, travel photography, um, we have scheduled a travel photography workshop that uh, we're going to run later this fall. Why don't you talk a little bit about that one, Rick? Sure. We're going to be spending some time down in Santa Fe and Taos. The Taos part will just be a day trip from Santa Fe. So nice thing is we'll be able to stay at one hotel during the workshop and not hop around, which makes it a little bit easier. And the dates are, make sure I get this correctly, October 20th through 23rd. Yep, that's a Thursday through Sunday. We'll yeah. start Thursday afternoon and end Sunday morning. This again is in uh, New Mexico, so Santa Fe. In case you have different Santa Fe's out there, but you know, that's the one. That's the one that we're going right. to. If you go to a different Santa Fe, we won't be there. So no. <laughs> make sure you're in but, New Mexico. But for people who haven't been to either of those cities, um, for one, they're beautiful because you have a lot of the historic um, architecture, lots of adobe buildings. Santa Fe is just amazing. Where you get into the historical part of um, the city, you know, the downtown part. And if I remember correctly, all the buildings have to conform to one of three architectural styles, just from slightly different periods. 
but generally they all have that kind of pinkish yellow adobe look to them mm -hmm. which also blends into the hillsides and stuff and it, it's it's a beautiful place it's it's unique and taos is like a a mini version of it that has some other things that are interesting yeah i mean in the art culture and the history of art oh, gosh. Right, you know with obviously georgia o'keefe and others uh, being being there and being inspired by the uh, landscapes in in those areas, but also the architecture, um, and so one of the things that the food is awfully good. Well, oh that's my gosh! True. Yeah, um, it, it's. I'll just say one quick thing. It's amazing how, you know, if you live in Colorado, just driving a few miles south, all of a sudden the the food gets astronomically better at least the mexican food does that's yes for sure. yeah um it's awesome and so um this will be fun and 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 we're gonna have um you know opportunities to do almost assignments right and mm -hmm. we'll, we'll have little quasi assignments for our participants fun um, ones, so we'll, we'll focus on specific subjects and and basically the goal here is to get the people who who join this workshop get you up to speed on a variety of techniques and the mindset for getting better photos when you're traveling either on your own or you know for vacation or as maybe part of a group tour that you're doing and uh, get come back with better shots that don't look like stereotypical uh, snapshots from everywhere and this is a very very small uh, group we're only going to allow six participants to join us so if you want to do that you'll want to put down um, your you know get a reservation book your um, seat on this workshop very quickly because it will fill up yeah and those who haven't been on our workshops might not know this but it's not like we do boot camp where we yell at people if they don't do the right okay, things no. on assignments you know, this, this is a fun, supportive environment. And one of the reasons that we want to limit it to six people is to make this work right and for people to really come away with some new ideas on how to shoot stuff. And it's not composition. I mean, that'll be an element of it, but it's really more how to work a diversity of subject types so that you end up with interesting portfolios coming back from a trip. But it, it, it really only works well if you can get it down to a smaller number and more personal contact and communication during the thing. It makes so, eating out easier too. That um, would be true. Amongst other things. So yeah. So I think anyway, it'll be lots of fun. We'll post a link to that over on our Facebook page. And you can also get to there from my website, luminescentphoto.com. Either one will, will take you there. Just click on the workshops link and uh, you can uh, sign up. Um, okay, so we got a question. Well, before um, we get into that, you had oh, a yeah. quick piece of news about an oh, ebook yes. that you're working on. Yeah. I, and then we'll get into the other topic. I had a moment of inspiration um, after, you know, we talked about last week about shooting with, uh, uh, when I was down in San Diego, shooting with the Nikon Z9. And I've had a lot of works in progress, and I am compiling a bird photography guide for the Nikon Z9. Um, it will have all of my settings uh, for a variety of scenarios, plus a little 
of that philosophical discussion of how everything works and when and why you should use different things. You know, think think autofocus modes and which AF system points, you know, AF area mode to use for different things, as well as just a discussion of how the the camera behaves. Um, and and so that's that's my work, and I intend to have this out pretty soon. I'm hoping to get it done by the end of uh, February. So it's going to be called uh, tentatively bird photography with the Nikon Z9. Um, and uh, so I'll have more on that as it comes out, but that, that'll be um, my next project. Good. Good. Fun stuff. Yep. So as you mentioned earlier, we do have a, a listener question that we'll spend a few minutes on. We've, it is a, related to some things that we talked about during the pandemic. But it's been a while. Um, period. But it's been a while, but we won't beat it to death for that reason. And it came from uh, Rick Williams, one of our long-term listeners. And just to read off his question, it's, how do you capture and save shoebox photos, old family prints with no negatives? Get a dedicated scanner, use a professional service, publishing for family members to see. So that's kind of the spirit of it. And... Uh, like most people, we certainly have, you know, old photos where there are just prints and no negatives. And we've certainly shared those with others. What do you do typically these days? Well, these days, yeah. I mean, once upon a time, I would have used my, I used to have a flatbed scanner, which I no longer have. Mm -hmm. um, and really the only advantage of the flatbed scanner is that it puts everything flat. You don't have to worry about, um, you know, lens distortions or anything like that. Lighting um, is a little bit easier. Yeah, everything is sort of is there. Um, and, you know, this is like scanning four by six prints or or even smaller. Right. Um, the trouble with the with with the flatbed scanner, I don't say the trouble is that they're not. By the time you just take that little section, it's not that high resolution. Um, but it's fine. It, it's certainly better for prints than it is for things like slides or. Um, um, negative film. So if you're just working with prints, but nowadays, I mean, I really kind of, I kind of take out my iPhone and take a photo of it. That's um, what I do. That's, you know, <laughs> and, and the current versions of iOS, they have the little way, you know, you've got a leveling feature so you can make sure that the camera is level. Um, the hardest challenge that I find though, with that technique is going somewhere where you don't get reflections, especially if you've got glossy, um, yeah. glossy prints that can be a real challenge um, so I don't know about you but I find that rather than getting really close I actually use the telephoto lens and get back a little farther I try to turn the lights off in the room so that the only mm -hmm. light coming in is maybe from side light from a window um, and and do that um, and then they're there and you can upload them to your you know you can crop them upload them to social media <laughs> You're good. I mean, yeah. And, and one of the reasons I've, it's funny that we've both gone in that direction independently, but these are prints that, you know, quite honestly, don't have perfect color. They don't have perfect sharpness. No, you know, they usually have lots of things technically wrong with them, but they're great memories, but doing something that achieves high resolution on them is just a bunch of wasted bits. Mm -hmm. There isn't that detail to begin with. Right. And it's a high the, fidelity scan of a low fidelity. Exactly. <laughs> you know. so, so the, you know, the conclusion I've reached is don't bother with that. 
And so just doing shots with my cell phone, it's very convenient in a lot of ways because typically the reason I'm doing it is to send it to someone. Right. And it's already on a device that's connected to all my other things that I would use to send stuff to someone. So, and, and then I a... just use the little photos library to keep track of them. And I've got a special collection or whatever the heck Apple calls it an album, an album for um, these kind of photos so that I can, you know, quickly see them all grouped together. And that works great for me. It's been very handy. And I was going to just add, usually if you have a, a, a pack of images, you know, or shoe box, or just, I have shoe boxes full of the, the envelopes full of the prints, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, out of that whole set of prints, there's maybe a handful that are actually worth sharing, right? Because most of them right. are who knows what. Um, and so you're really just picking and choosing the three to three, five, 10 photos from, from any roll of film that were, were any good to begin with. So I think the phone is the easiest way to do it. Yeah, mo most of the ones that I've done in, involve um, family, for sure. Plenty of those. And then, um, you know, close friends. Exactly. That's, that's mostly it. There are a few exceptions, but mostly it's those kind of photos. P and the friends of, all uh, seem to be girls. Yeah. Pictures of college <laughs> parties gone, gone past, you know? Yeah, so. that too. I have lots of lots of photos of, of me and the guys from back in the day. So anyway, yeah. it's all fun. Um, all right. So then but um, I think it is something you can keep it simple. Yeah, and it works and it has many virtues. Right. It, it would be different if you had negatives or slides or these were something mm -hmm. that was really, truly, you know, high quality or high fidelity. Yeah, or, then or I would be tempted art. to go down a different path. Right, right. So and then I would suggest the probably the little Nikon ES2 thing that we've talked about before mm -hmm. that allows you to copy them using a macro lens. But for for just prints, cell phone. Yeah, I suppose if you really wanted to get creative, you could get a piece of of, of uh, non-reflective glass to put on top of the print so that it's um, flat. But that's that's just it's, I, I, it's not necessary most of the no. time again i think you can keep it simple yeah okay well so then let's talk about lossy raw files because they've been around forever but there's some new ones that have popped up that brought it to our attention um by first talking about what the heck lossy means mm -hmm. <laughs> in, in the first place so, so in the beginning there was um most most cameras if they even offered a raw format it was tended to be an uncompressed uh, file it was just uh, a, and then you could shoot maybe jpeg or sometimes tiff and a lot of us didn't even shoot raw when digital cameras first came out because it was so painfully slow to do the files were too big and and the camera would slow down i know you had a um, d100 going all the way back to 2002 right and yeah. if i recall raws were almost almost too painful to use on that camera no you could do it they were just you couldn't do action photography with them let's put it that well, way. well it, it wasn't a great action right um camera period it just wasn't um but there know, was a definite was, lag in saving the files that you have it was it yeah was, and, was and my recollection is you could shoot uncompressed raw or lossy um raw mm -hmm. there wasn't a lossless 
compressed right. setting at that time. That those kind of things came around several years later. So those right. basic two choices. And if I remember right, this is getting fuzzy because it's been almost 20 years now. But I think with the D100, because of its processing limitations, I want to say the, comp I can't remember if the compressed one was the, I think it, the compressed one was a little bit problematic in terms I think of you're right. times. I think the compressed format was, was very difficult because it had to process it down and crunch it. Yeah. Uh, and so that was even slower than just shooting uncompressed raw. Yeah. So I the mean, idea later kind of flipped and went the other way. Right. And, and, and so with raw, generally you will get, depending on your camera, you'll have a, a couple of different options. First you select raw, and then you can generally select some quality setting of the raw. Most of the time, the raw file will always be the same size. Although Nikon did have some, some of the manufacturers have some smaller sizes, but usually raw is a full size, full resolution image. And then you can choose things like a bit depth, 14 bit, 12 bit, whatever. Um, sometimes you don't get that choice. And then you can choose a compression option, uncompressed or lossless compressed or what they would call compressed, which is really lossy compressed. So let's just talk a little bit about the differences there. Um, lossless compressed, you don't lose anything. <laughs> so it's a compression algorithm. And, where it, and that is something that a lot of people just don't hear when they hear the term. Right. There is no point in terms of quality um, to shooting uncompressed when you've got a lossless compressed right. format. No reason at all. The only possibility is sometimes when a camera's brand new, certain um, raw processors won't have support for some compressed formats. Um, some companies just take longer on those historically. But there's no quality reason to do it. Lossless means lossless. Right. And, and basically, and, and this is not going to be a bulletproof um, discussion of it by any means. But, you know, if you have a lossless compressed format, you know, basically what the camera does is it looks through all the image data. And if, if you have a whole bunch of white pixels that are, you know, that's the thing that they're registering and they're all the same. You don't need to say what each one is. You can do the equivalent of saying, well, I've got a whole row or several rows of things that are all this color. Bing, you can say that and there's no loss of detail or information in me saying it. They're all the same. Mm -hmm. Now, when you get into the lossy ones, it, it can be a little bit different depending on the quality setting and it can be well, here's a group that's just about the same. And because they're just about the same, I'm going to say they are the same because mm -hmm. that will reduce the amount of size that it takes to represent them. But, you know, if you push the quality setting too hard, you know, toward a lower quality, you can end up with banding because what it's doing is it's taking things that are in fact different tones and colors and making them the same. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have a sudden break with another one. And that's, you know, it creates the banding problem. So, and just to be clear, when you're in your camera, it's not going to say lossy. It will just say compressed. Whereas lossless will generally say lossless compressed in front mm -hmm. of you. So when you're looking through your, your, your options. So depending on the camera, you may be able, you know, the ways you can save, well, let me just go back for a second. 
why would you even want to use this? What's what's the rationale for using one of these, um, you know, for not shooting everything as lossless compressed? And usually the reason comes down to uh, storage size or frame rate for for burst shooting. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's kind of the, the thing. And and so storage in the beginning, you know, that was a big problem because storage was expensive. And so um, before we got on the show today, I looked back through my email invoices and I bought my very first memory card in March of 2005 because it was an anticipation of getting the D2X, which was my first serious digital SLR. And it was a four gigabyte card. It cost over $400. So it was $400 for four gigabytes. So $100 each. Today, even the fastest cards are about a dollar a gig, maybe a little bit more, dollar and 10 cents per gig, depending, you know, maybe it's on sale. And yeah. for some formats, it's pennies, like some of the SD card formats, you can get, if you don't need the fastest cards, you can get things for, 23 cents a gigabyte, (laughs) you know, it's really, really cheap. So, so the need for compression um, from a storage standpoint tends to be less these days. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So why not just shoot everything in lossless compressed? Well, then you go back to the, well, wait a minute. What if you're shooting bursts? Because the files are, are certainly bigger. Um, So, well, and, and, just like you know we were talking with your new z9 uh last week um, the frame rate can be so high that you can be putting out a heck of a lot of uh files very very quickly and that file size does creep up and unless you're going through and and aggressively culling them um you you will take up a lot of disk space even well, if it's cheaper disk space yeah or card space you will take up the card space you'll fill that up but you also fill up your buffer faster if you want to shoot sure. uncompressed if you want to shoot well the, the z9 is interesting it, it did away with uncompressed raw altogether because again to your point if you got a lossless compressed that's fine so the default in the z9 is lossless compressed and then it offers two lossy which nikon refers to as high efficiency raw Okay, Mm -hmm. and one is better than the other, and so one they call visually lossless. Essentially, you know that's what they used to call, or you know, in other words, is it lossy? Yes. Will you notice the difference? Probably not. Probably not unless you really do some extreme use cases, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the difference in file size is tremendous because whereas the lossless RAW is about sixty megabytes per per file going to the high efficiency format drops it down to about 30 megabytes. So half, what does that mean for, it's not just not filling up cards, but it also means more frames per burst. You won't fill up your buffer so quickly. And, and so that means you can use cards that aren't necessarily the absolute fastest. Um, You know, I've been trying different cards. I have XQD cards. I have, got recently got some compact flash or cf express type b cards you know what's the difference the difference really comes down to how many frames you can shoot in a burst in lossless mode right Um, Mm -hmm. with the lossy modes um yes there are still limits to the amount of frames with the depending on the frame rate but 
what I found is that those exceed any kind of burst shooting I would ever do. Right. Like, once you're talking about being able to shoot 60, you know, 70 or 150 frames, I'm not shooting that many frames con con continuously. So for practical purposes, you know, that's, that's something where the, the lossy format helps. Um, you know, in the past, it was dropping down the bit rate going from 14 to 12 bit would be mm -hmm. another thing you could do. Um, you get better quality shadows generally if you shoot in 14 bit. But again, it might not matter if you're not doing a ton of processing, if you're shooting action, the exposure that you get in the camera is probably pretty close to what you're going to be displaying. Yeah. And just said a slightly different way, you know, talking about the 14 bit, 12 bit or 16 bit. When you have a fewer number of bits, one of the impacts is dynamic range mm -hmm. and your ability to bring up stuff from that dark area, the noise floor. And it really only shows up in extreme cases and it really only shows up in images where you've got a really wide dynamic range, you know, of brightness. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, not a big problem. Right. I mean, I think for most of us, shooting in the higher bit bit uh, depth is probably just fine because you're not there's there's not too many uh, you know there's a size penalty but you might as well if you're shooting raw presumably mm -hmm. you're doing it for quality you know compared to shooting jpeg which is 8-bit right so that's even right. lower and lossy on Much top lower. of that so right. so there's a huge jump in quality between 8 and 12-bit and then it's better going to 14. i don't think the z9 lets you change the bit depth i can't remember but like I said, I, I looked at some example shots just from me, you know, that I took. And what I did see was a slight loss of detail, sharpness detail in the lower quality compressed raw file in the lowest quality one. Um, it wasn't awful, but I could tell. Um, mm -hmm. So it was just fine detail if you looked It was really fine close. detail. And, and honestly, the size savings that I got from that against the the higher quality compressed lossy raw format wasn't much so it goes from a 60 megabyte lossless file to like a 30 megabyte lossy uh file to a 25 megabyte you know so the the size you know the the size uh savings wasn't all that much for a noticeable decline in image quality mm -hmm. But again, it's still a raw format, so you're still better off doing that than say JPEGs. Um, you know, especially with most cards these days being 64 gigs and up, uh, you're, you're talking about being able to get on a 64 gig card, you know, with 30 megabyte file size. You're talking about you know almost 2,000 frames on a card. <laughs> so, so if you're doing you know, so so even for action shooting, that's a, that's a lot of of uh, frames, unless you're just being completely indiscriminate. Yeah. So I've got one camera that I still use on an on occasion. It's a, a Sony that only has two options. You can either do uncompressed, raw, or lossy compressed. And the vast majority of time with that camera, I have it set to lossy compressed, and it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, you know the the subjects where I don't worry about lossy compressed files, 
it would include things like travel photos, mm -hmm. family photos, mm -hmm. snapshots around town and all that kind of stuff. And quite honestly, the only time I, I would, you know, with that camera contemplate flipping it over to uncompressed is if I were doing some really hardcore landscape thing at a time of day where I really cared tremendously about the dynamic range. Other than that, it's fine. What about like and a studio portrait? No. I mean, I was trying to think of use cases where that might. No, the, and my rationale is for, and I'm not talking that low quality, high efficiency thing that you were mentioning right, that right. could be different. But in general, with studio portraits, you've got extremely controlled lighting, mm -hmm. you exactly. know, where you can frankly just shoot a JPEG almost. Mm -hmm. And you're good because you're going to get a lot of the tonal characteristics of the image from the lighting, right? not from what you're doing mm -hmm. in post-processing so much. So now there yeah, could I, be certain kinds of commercial work where you have to use things and that's different. You know, that's sure that, that goes back to the question of who's your client. And if your client is you, you're shooting for yourself, you, you can do things. But yeah, you can save a lot of overhead in this mode. And I've got my Z9 pretty much dialed in to use the high efficiency, the top end quality of the high efficiency setting. Mm -hmm. um, and if I and that's what I shot in San Diego. And I didn't find myself going, oh, my gosh, I've got banding in these photos and they're not any good. And, you know, that it just really made sense for that. I could see myself shooting lossless compressed for landscape stuff for low volume shooting because that's what i normally would have anyway mm -hmm. and and just take advantage of the full amount of dynamic range but i haven't i'm not one of those people to go and try to calculate this stuff i'm sure there's some folks who already have because they're out there on the internet mm -hmm. <laughs> and i do believe there is a slight loss of dynamic range with with even the higher quality uh lossy which is what you would expect but mm -hmm. it might not be enough to to make a real difference in your photos. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that's that's uh, kind of where we're at now. And, and it's interesting, because I think, didn't Canon come out with a similar kind of thing? Yeah, Canon calls it CRAW. I don't know how similar it is to the Nikon high efficiency file thing, but my hunch is they're probably very similar concepts. Right. If you looked at what was really going on, but I, I don't know for a fact what the differences and, are. And just to throw it out there, this is not a raw format thing, but, um, and I don't know exactly um, what Nikon did with their implementation, because on the Z7s and stuff, you could shoot uh, smaller size raw files. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think they behaved in the same way as what Leica is doing now. So Leica recently announced a, a new camera out of my budget of course mm -hmm. um and it's got a i think it's got a 60 megapixel sensor mm -hmm. but it lets you shoot smaller resolution files you can drop down to 36 megapixels and what it does is by reducing the resolution it's binning pixel data so in theory you actually get a benefit a lower higher um iso performance and less noise using that setting i don't think that's what nikon did but I no. know that's what Leica is doing. And, th and that's an interesting concept too. a 60 megapixel sensor, but most people don't need that kind of resolution. You could be very happy with 36 megapixel files if it meant you have additional ISO performance and better dynamic range. Yeah, absolutely. What's, what's interesting is 
you know, that Leica went in that direction, Canon and Nikon both went in the direction of dropping their smaller sized mm -hmm. raw formats, the adjustable ones, mm -hmm. in lieu of just a high efficiency file format of right. some types. They some type they decided that customers would rather get the full image but have some clever compression scheme, I guess. Well, I, I can I, actually see pros and cons both I, ways. I think because if you weren't doing the pixel binning, then you weren't really getting a perceived benefit of the smaller files other than you're capturing a, a lower resolution image. Mm -hmm. and, and Which would process faster, it, potentially, it all of those and things, some other sure. things. Yeah, I agree. But but on the, at the same time, why not just, you know, what... If, if you could say, yeah, you're going to capture 36 megapixel, but you'll have an extra two stops of dynamic range. Okay, there's a there's a use case that I could mm -hmm. make sense. Um, so anyway, here we are. We've got these. Um, if you've got a camera that shoots in the uh, raw compression, you know, the compressed raws, take a look. At the very least, you should be using lossless <laughs> and not setting your camera to uncompressed. There's just no value in that. Um, and then you can take a look for yourself at the other quality settings you have and decide what which one works for you based on the number of memory cards you have and the kind of shooting style that you use. Yeah. And the one thing you can always do if you, you feel uncertain or a little bit nervous about them is use lossless compressed. It's, yeah. it's a no brainer. Yeah, it is absolutely saying. a no brainer. Yeah. Go ahead and, and you know, at, at the very least use that setting because you're not losing any any quality at all. And if you have a choice and want to feel safe, you know, leave it on 14 bit. Most of the time you'd be fine with 12, but you can feel extra safe with that one. Yep. Agreed. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. So um, until next week, um, we'll be happy to take your questions over on our Facebook page, facebook.com. We, we really like getting doctors. them. Yep. They make us happy. Thanks again to Rick uh, Williams for submitting his question today. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye.